Welcome to On the Edge with April Mahoney Brains. You hit the spot. The place where the conversation is pointed, the guests are sharp, and the responses are never dull. Put your thinking caps on, because the conversation starts now. Welcome to On the Edge with April Mahoney Brains. We are at the spot, your favorite place, the best podcast on the planet, the location where the conversations are pointed, the guests are sharp, and the responses are never dull. Today, we are in the United Kingdom with Heather Garbutt. She has 40 years of experience in psychotherapy, but what she has found is that she wants to make the transition from being a psychotherapist to being a coach. I'm gonna ask her, what are the defining differences? Her focus is on relationships. Brains, everything is a relationship. Business, love, children, animals, even a personal intimate relationship that one has with themselves. We are going to look at that and we're gonna ask her some fun facts because she's also a podcaster. So what does that mean and what does that look like in her world? Hello, Heather, and welcome to On the Edge. Thank you for having me here, April. It's lovely to be with you. I'm excited. I've been watching all of your clips and the great tidbits of information that you've been sharing on Facebook. Tell us a little bit about you and how you show up in the world. Okay, well, I'm a 64-year-old woman. I'm in partnership with my lovely man, Ian. Uh, we've been together for seven years, I think, this July. Yeah. And we met through Calling in the One, the coaching program, Calling in the One, which yeah. I was doing. Uh, we've been together ever since. Well, that's pretty sexy and that's pretty romantic. But why did you decide to leave a very, and I'm just putting it out there, lucrative psychotherapy to go into a little bit more conservative, niche uh, folks mm. into coaching. And that's really interesting you see it that way around because I see psychotherapy as the more conservative way of thinking. Mm. Coaching is so much bigger. You, you need to do all the digging and delving into the past in coaching. Of course you do. But actually you're future focused. And that's what I discovered when I did it for myself. It's like, mm. oh, my God, the world's so much bigger than I thought. Okay. And I want that for other people, you know, for their for their hearts. There's so much more possible. So not, you know, giving talk therapy or psychotherapy a bad name, but you feel that that's too niche focused. It doesn't prepare you for future. It just is more restorative and helps you recover from things that you've experienced in your past. Yes, I think it helps you understand and identify and be kinder to yourself. Um, I don't want to give it a bad name either because it's been a really vital part of my life. I wouldn't, I probably wouldn't be alive today without it. Let's put it that way. Um, but the thing that I really see as the difference is you can get stuck in therapy with telling the same old stories, mm. you know, the, the, the victimized stance. And I'm not saying, you know, oh God, we've all had really bad things happen to us at different times in our lives. A lot of people have had really bad childhoods and that needs addressing, absolutely. But we don't wanna stay there. And the patterns that we set up in that early life can lead us to have a sort of blueprint for the rest of our lives. I know, so I think people fall into that same old, that same old rhythm. 
Yeah, they do. They do. Because it's familiar, you know, even dating, you know, you, you find women that have been in less than productive relationships and it's like a magnet. They're just pulled to that again because it's familiar. They know what to go through. They don't want to challenge themselves to break out and find something different because it's scary, Heather. It is. It's very much. It's, and it's, it's more than that. It's like maybe they can't even see anything different mm. and they could start off, you know, to see that the next partner, they could start off, see the next partner is very different and the partner may be very different. But if the woman in this case, we're talking women um, is holding the same pattern within her, she will cultivate that person to fit the other side of her jigsaw piece. Mm, mm, mm. I know it's scary. And that's the bit that I really love that we can change. So how do we change? Where where do we even start? Okay. Shall I give you a little bit of an example? I'll, I'll yes, use me so. rather than any clients for um, confidentiality reasons. It's better. So I was in hospital as a child and I learned two things from being this about two years old. One is just to hold on to the next person that comes to look after you. And the other is that I'm really essentially all alone. So I have that as my blueprint, even though my parents were incredibly well-intentioned and loving, they, they didn't have the emotional understanding to see what the effect would be on me. You know, we're talking 60 years ago, so it wasn't in the zeitgeist then. It wasn't the, the paradigm for thinking about children as emotional beings, you know? So I don't blame them at all and really, <laughs> don't blame anybody because um you know for their parental things because they probably don't know any better mostly people don't know any better they do what's done to them Absolutely. so my parents were ignored you know as children so they didn't know how not to ignore me so I go into my relationship life essentially not knowing how to be together and I go into my relationship life not knowing that I can choose who's a good fit for me what I do is wait to be chosen wait for the next one to come along I'm not like that now but I was like that for most of my earlier life well when did you you know when did you wake up out of the fog what was your aha moment I think it was when I did calling in the one it, it made me see that things could be different what what happened in the beginning of it was you, you look at the patterns you've had in relationships and it really opens things out for you so you can see so I would choose men that were emotionally unavailable possibly long distance because you know when I was in hospital my family were 30 miles away okay. so that fitted as well oh, wow. um I know yeah um and I would choose people who would choose me whether they were right for me or not so reiterating that so learning and calling in the one what that pattern was I'm sorry you said it's calling in the womb or calling in the word I, I'm not hearing what you say oh I am so sorry I'm not very clear calling in the one calling in the one yeah the one that is going to be the one for you to love for the rest of your life hopefully. okay perfect now wait let me dial back just so that we can clear all that up calling in the one is it is is it relationship focused? Is it a, a retreat? What, yeah. what is it calling in the one? Okay, well, first of all, it's a book written by Catherine Woodward Thomas. And in, I'm a trained coach with her now. And 
we use that book as a workbook. You can use it as a standalone workbook for yourself. You can read it and do the exercises. It will really open your perspective. I chose to do the book, the course and have coaching because by the time I realized what was going on, I thought I've got to have everything to stop this pattern because at that point I was 58. I don't want another Valentine's Day waking up alone. <laughs> Certainly what, not. What I don't get, and, and, and you know, just, just so that I'm clear here is being a psychotherapist, I mean, you go down to the nitty gritty. You do. Why was it hard for you to see the patterns and break them for yourself? Why did you have to have this, this outside jolt? I think it, you, it's a good question. I think there was, it was, it was a Valentine's Day and I woke up on Valentine's Day, it was 2016. And I thought I'm never ever going <laughs> to wake up alone on Valentine's Day again. Gotcha. It's like, you know, I'd been dating a few guys and none of them were working out and they all felt a bit lackluster, you know, but still I would get hooked into trying to make it work and, I just, I just couldn't, and it was that intention, you know, I set myself a, a soul level intention. This is never gonna happen again. And then I opened up my emails and there in the email was, do you wanna create a miracle in your love life? <laughs> the wow. hell I do, yeah. Wow, now were you married before? Yes, I've been married. Um, I was married, I think for about 15 years. We, we parted. Um, and separated for a, a long time and then did the paperwork later. So it's hard to know exactly how long we were married, but- Do you have children? No, we didn't have children. Okay. So. so you're in this relationship and you figure out, this is not my soulmate, this is not for me. We're gonna take a different direction. But what you had to do is again, you had to pull back the layers and you had to identify and figure out what it was about you, how to love you yeah. first. Before that, exactly. pour that into another individual, because we have expectations, Heather, and you know that. And peep, that's the worst thing. Sometimes I think you can do is because you overpromise and underdeliver, with the expectation that someone else is going to show up and rescue you. Yeah, and that's and the thing. People, mm -hmm, and a lot of people go through this manifestation stuff. Okay, I'm a manifester too, but you can manifest yourself some drama. Yeah, absolutely manifesting you've got to be really specific yes, absolutely do. detailed yes, because right. if you if you could say you know let's look at it in a, a sort of more lumpen term i'd like to lose a weight i'd like to lose some weight i'd like to lose two stone and if you don't say through wonderful healthy methods that are gradual and easy and relaxed then you might just get run over and lose a leg there's two stone gone you know <laughs> or i don't know how many how many pounds that is you know but you have to be really specific so if you're looking for the love of your life you have to create a vision that is really clear and an intention that's really clear and list all the qualities that you want and then when you look at those qualities you reflect and see if those qualities are in you and if you're able to deliver those in return and in your vision you look at who you're being in that vision and measure that up. So a vision would be say an ideal day. So um, client recently, an, an ideal day was walking on the South Bank in London with her true love, with his arm around her shoulder, 
they go for dinner. He's, he's arranged everything. They get a dinner on a balcony overlooking the Thames. It's absolutely exquisite. And he's holding her hand. He's looking in her eyes. He's treating her like a queen. So that's the vision. So get her to really feel who she is in that vision. And she feels like a different woman from the one she is now. So how do you get from here to there? And the first piece is, what was he doing in that vision? How was he being with me? What was his attitude to me? What were his values with me? And that's what you start to do with yourself. Mm, okay, all right, that's good. And try to block out all of the naysayers and all the negativity of past relationships because that's what people will do. Uh, I have a, a dear friend and uh, she's a widow now. And she says, oh, I'll never get married again or I'll never. Well, you know, uh, I wouldn't want my husband to get married again either. I'd probably haunt the bitch, but. <laughs> <laughs> but but seriously, I want him to live a full, happy life. And that doesn't mean that you're stuck in one lifetime. Me, personally, I believe we have lived many lifetimes and we will live many more. And there will be people that will travel with us and there will be people that will drop off. So what we have to do is stay focused and centered on who we are, what our dreams are, what our purpose is. And that's not selfish. That's clarity. Right. Wouldn't you agree? Essential. It's absolutely essential. If you just go through life pleasing other people or doing what you imagine other people want you to do, you turn yourself into a corkscrew and they've got nobody there to love because you're so contorted and anxious, um, focused on them to be your everything. They turn into a sort of parental figure to your helpless self. And you open yourself up to abuse. And as you say, drama, if you do that, you need to come back and be your own parent first. Particularly if, you know, like me and many others that I see, who've been emotionally neglected as children, you need to develop a lovely mom inside, a lovely dad inside, a mom who wants to spend time with you, wants to give you gifts that you really want, wants to speak sweetly to you, wants to be affectionate with you, you know? So many things, so many things. You, as you speak to me, number one, I see the, the joy in your life exuding out of your pores. But secondly, oh. you close your eyes and you go into a dreamlike state for a second. You transport mm -hmm. yourself somewhere else. Are those the journeys that you take your clients on to be able to yeah. close their eyes and to imagine and to feel and do the breath work and, you know, really engage in that moment? I absolutely do. It's absolutely wonderful. It's transformative. And I, I felt that I was there with you. You were there with me. We were creating a scene and it's like a movie, you know, brains, you can be the character actor in your own screenplay. You can rewrite mm -hmm. the script. Mm -hmm. So I see that this is kind of um, almost meditative yeah. work, visualization, mm -hmm. yep. imagination, creativity. Yep. But it implants something in your mind that creates longevity, something that you can recall. Yes, absolutely. And it also gives you a sense of, we call it the future you, um, but it's at the same time, it's the past you. 
It's the you that would have been, the qualities that you would have had if all of the cross currents of traumatic events in your life hadn't happened. Mm. You know, the, the innocent child that could love and be open is right there in that moment, wide open, but in a mature mind and a mature body. You know, in all honesty, you've got to have been through some things to be able to really appreciate this. Sometimes people will go through things because it's trendy or a girlfriend told them that they might need this. But you really need to be able to show up, to process, to understand and to value what you are about because this is a rite of passage. This is opening the floodgates to the next part of your life. You and I are women of a particular age. We're not going to be guaranteed this amount of years again. Nope. They teach us how to die at a certain age. They do not teach us how to continue to live. What would you say to a person that's stuck right now, Heather? Hmm. I think it might depend what sort of stuck. But if if we say uh, it's a woman who's you know been around the block in relationships a few times, almost um, given up on relationships because she's too afraid to be hurt again. This would be perfect for her because we would work on the patterns that she got into it with. We'd change the blueprint inside, give her a whole different set of ways of being with herself. I hate the word tools, but there are tools, there are techniques that you can learn that really help you to be different. Talk about the energy. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Really focus on the future and what you need to do to get there. And we do the emotional work and the mental work to get there. And And we do the practical work. You know, it's no good doing all this work if you've got no time in your week to have a date. And you've got no room in your house to receive somebody. Right. Now, let's talk about that for a minute. Bring in sexy back. (laughs) Okay, really. Let's talk about that. Because if I see another woman in a big t-shirt, yoga pants, and Birkenstocks. I know. know. She's hiding. Or if I see another guy with those same old you know, jeans, never see you in a button down, never see you make the effort to make yourself alluring and attractive, that smell good, to put a little lipstick on there, to make somebody want to kiss your lips. You know, those things are a part of the relationship. It is, uh, it's the chase. And now with online dating, with all of these different apps, with artificial intelligence, with gender identity changing, relationships have taken a turn. And what we are showing our children in these relationships to build another world or or continue with the world that we have are so different. Where do you see us 10, 15, 20 years from now in this thing called relationships? I think we're not going to be in the same paradigms our parents and we were brought up with. I have a feeling that because we're evolving all the time, there will be relationships for particular times of life. Mm. You know, we were, on, we were only, you know, 100 years ago, living till 40 or 50. 
now we're living till 80 or 90, the chances of really growing and changing at the same rate with the same person throughout all of that time are remote. And you may actually grow into wanting different things. You know, one of you might get to retirement, say, and want to go and see what it's like to live in Hong Kong. And the other one says, no, south of France is more my bag. And, you know, that that's really big locations. I'm making that as a, a point. But it might be the subtle things. Where I want a quiet life. Well, I want to really go and live some more. You know, I want to climb some mountains. I want to do some emotional work. I want to have some experiences. I want to write a book. Oh, do you? Oh, you know, <laughs> that isn't going to work. Right. Or, again, you know, uh, midlife crisis where someone just wants to completely do something different or yeah. your attraction or affection or fondness for one another has changed because that happens too. And what I've always learned in my relationship and my marriage um, from day one was I always told my husband that I kept a little bit in reserve for me because life is not contingent solely on you. We didn't come here on the ark and we're not twins. We have our own individual journey. We have our own individual path. And if we are blessed enough to be able to walk this path together, it's fine. But if not, I still need to be able to hold on to who April Mahoney is. And you still need to be, you know, who you are as an individual. Because people get so convoluted, they forget who they are and what their dreams and desires are. And they latch on so tight that they become completely destroyed when that person divorces them or when that person, you know, finds a fondment for someone else. It completely destroys them, you know? So what do you say to the, the person that's in that relationship that is not going to be together and they're going to consciously uncouple? I think it's a really brilliant thing to do. I mean, I think something that can happen is if you you meet, you marry, or you stay together, you have children, we're, we're talking the traditional paradigm here, there comes a time where if you don't work on your relationship, you do grow apart. And you become sort of co-parents, co-workers in the, the task of bringing up your children. And that's when you really lose touch. You can do work to really come back together. You can work on that. But if you're going to let go, let go healthily, let go kindly, let go fairly. Uh, if you can possibly do it using something called weavorce or uh, one of the cooperative methods of divorce, then do. But do your emotional work so that if you do end up going to court for any reason, you don't let the lawyers let you be adversarial. Because they'll love it. Right. They love it because that's where their money is. You know, I don't I don't want to make lawyers out to be entirely bad people because there are a lot of family lawyers who really are good. But it doesn't take much for things right. to tip, particularly but, when we're parting. Sorry, forgive me. Do you, no, no, I, I was saying uh, married couples don't make divorce lawyers rich. <laughs> no, they don't. Exactly. And when we're parting, we're at our most raw. So we're likely to get regressed. We're likely to get triggered by the slightest thing. You know, if, if my husband had said he wanted our dog, I would have been massively triggered. That would have been a really big deal for me. Fortunately, he said in his 
golden repair because he loved the dog as much as me. He was generous and he said, no, you have the dog. It's fine. You have the dog. And that that really went a long way to making our divorce comfortable and sweet and everything was fair with money. It, it went well on all of those practical terms. Now, we didn't have children, so we don't have to see each other. Our relationship ran its course and we parted amicably. Now, I want to ask you a little bit about calling in the one and finding new love again. So yeah. you're there, you're doing the work. And right in the very same room is someone that shares a mutual interest, an attraction, a fondness for you. When did you, what was your aha moment then? What was, what was that like? It was like, hmm, this is interesting. Oh, sorry. I, I might have misled you. He didn't do calling in the one. Oh, um, okay. I met him while I was doing calling. In oh, the okay. Okay. All right. But still you met him. So mm -hmm. when you met him, did. what was your well, aha yeah. moment? What was, what was some of the things that you had pulled from that? And you said, this is worth a go. Well, he was so candid from the get go. Our first date was coffee uh, in a, a nice little pub in Hungerford in the UK, walk by the canal. I had my dog with me. He said he wasn't sure because my dog was a white poodle. And he wasn't sure about going out with a woman with a white poodle because he's a bit more macho than that. you know. <laughs> <laughs> but when he when he met the dog, he was sort of up to my waist. He said, oh, that's not that's not a tiny French poodle. That's a big dog. I can cope with that. I can cope with walking with a big dog. And he was really candid. He was good with the dog. He was affectionate, um, not overly, you know, just a kiss on the cheek. Hello, because we talked a lot. Um, I loved his voice. Um, I loved the smell of him. If anybody was a bit too pushy, it was me because I wanted to see if the kissing would work, you know, so I kissed him first. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I was a bit forward. <laughs> I love yes. it. Uh, but while we were walking, my dog is a bit dippy. I mean, he was brilliant inside, very clever dog inside. You take him outside, he would follow any pair of legs and think they were mine. Mm. So as, as Ian and I were walking along the canal talking, Ted followed a pair of legs over the bridge to the other side of the canal. It's about four foot deep, something like that. So I called him thinking he would come back the way that he went. But no, he jumped in the canal. So he was standing on his hind legs with his paws on the edge and his chin just above his paws, sort of going, oh, my God, what the hell happened? <laughs> just <laughs> frightened to death. He's <laughs> shocked. So Ian ran over the bridge to get him out. And while he was going, he took his phone from his breast pocket in his shirt, tucked it in the back pocket of his jeans, leaned over, pulled out 25 kilos of dog, with one arm, put him on the bank, ran back so that Ted could shake himself. So dog was happy, Ian was happy, phone was safe. I was in raptures. Wow, what a guy. <laughs> I know, look at that. He's got an yeah. S on his chest. Absolutely. And his white linen shirt was still as white as when he went over there. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that that's a keeper. That's a keeper. So let's fast forward to your podcast. What is the premise of your podcast uh when is it broadcast and what are you looking to pour into your listeners 
Okay, well, it, it's everything to do with relationships. I, I tend to ask people, what, what would you like me to write about? And so I, I do the writing first and then I, I make a, a, a podcast of it. I do lives on Facebook. There are two groups calling in the one official coach-led group um, and Conscious Uncoupling, official coach-led group, and I tend to put them up in there. I put them up on my personal page too. So at the moment, I've been running a, a sequence on desire. So it's sort of some of the stages that we've talked about today in a bit more depth for people who are single and who are looking for true, romantic, committed love. So that's one part of it. I've been doing things like deal makers and deal breakers, you know, what to what to look for. If he wants to live in Hong Kong and you want to live in New York, that's probably not going to work. Um, yeah, long distance relationships can work, but they, they work if you're avoidant and you just want that much of a relationship rather than a real deep connection. Um, I've done some more uh, what to look for on your first date, questions to ask yourself. Really, what are your values? What are their values? Do they walk their talk? Because they'll tell you they're wonderful. Of course they will. They're trying to sell themselves to you if, if you're a, a woman worth having. But you just got to see if they can walk their talk. If they're not nice to the waiter, like that tells you a lot straight off. If they're stingy with their tip, that tells you a lot straight off. If, if they, they get into lot negative about their mother, that's a red <gasps> flag. Yes, or their exes. If they're bitter about their exes, because that sometimes comes up in conversation in the first few dates. You know, you, you really feel for who they are. And notice how you feel in your body. That's another piece. Uh, I've been doing one very recently on being an empath in relationships. So the, the empaths are the people who look after everybody else in the world. They feel for everybody else in the world. And the world is a good place for having them in, in it. But when an empath gets out of balance, there's nobody there. They're just a, a person who's taking care. They project their feelings. And they say, I do too. You know, this is a, a pattern, one of those early patterns. Project right. my feelings onto somebody else, look after it in them. They get to be very needy and demand more and more. I have nothing left. Well, Heather, what do you say to the individual that just wants a booty call? <laughs> if you can, if you can handle that, if you, you do it. Manage, right. If you can manage it. What are some yeah. of the rules of engagement in those types of relationships? Well, if it's just a booty call, I, I think it's... I love the way you say that with a British accent. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's important to get to know them to make sure you're safe. Right. Yeah. Um, it's important just to take account of yourself as a woman because our hormones will hook us in. You, you get a lot of oxytocin around sex. So you probably a little bit more at risk because your body will be attached to them even if you think they're only okay for sex. Uh -huh. you know? uh -huh. So there might be rules like um, we always meet in a candlelit room. You know? There might always be dinner first. Might never be. Uh, you could say there's never alcohol involved or any drugs if you don't want that. Um, you could say, and I want it at least half an hour afterwards to cuddle and have some talking. You know, things that make it nice for you are the things that you really want. So that you don't feel cheap and devalued. 
Yeah. This is just a, you know, this is a weekend, every Tuesday type of deal. Uh, Don't destroy someone else's marriage and their home and all that kind of stuff. But if this is just something that you enjoy having sex with an individual, I don't think that there should be any shame associated with that as long as there are rules to conduct. Yeah, um, you know, obviously, health, health protection and all of that oh, stuff. Of course, you know? absolutely. Yeah, go without saying, goes without saying, but yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. I don't see anything wrong with that either. So long as you can take care of yourself and get good support with your heart, because we women, we're so blooming susceptible. You know, we, we fall in love very easily. Let's catapult it to another different situation here. These polyamorous relationships, oh boy, they're popping up everywhere. Look, just to keep one person happy, satisfied, fed, amused is work. But now people are having, and again, it's different for different couples. They are having sister wives and again, polyamorous relationships. How do you even even know if my husband would ask if he asked me i would probably scratch his eyes out <laughs> i told you <laughs> I, I told you i'd haunt her if uh if i was dead and came back but how do you suggest people even enter into those type of relationships because they're very prevalent now especially with they are. well i think it's really important to research it first i mean it sounds a bit crazy but you know really Really look at the ways that people do set things up. There's there's myriad ways. But if there's somebody who's the primary relationship and you're a secondary to that, that's one set of rules that you could establish. And it, it does take an awful lot of consciousness to make everybody safe and yeah. <laughs> emotionally safe, I mean, right, as, right, as, right. as well as everything else. Um, you You need to have some clear ground rules and you need to have ways of handling together any feelings any difficult feelings that come up yeah and you know all right who's in charge who's who's on first (laughs) you know are these Mm. are these two other individuals are the two women allowed to cohabitate and be together and the man is okay is the man still able to go out and find other suitors in addition yep. to the two that they already have what if it's two men and one woman what is the, the the dominance there there is a lot to consider and it can be very strenuous um and it could be a lot more catastrophic than you think because yes. you're dividing your time through many people and you're editing and filtering and adjusting your emotions based upon the person that you're dealing with at that time. It's not necessarily a consistent role. So it can be very challenging. So now we're looking at other relationships. We're looking at heterosexual, we're looking at homosexual relationships. Two women versus two men. I don't... um, I don't. I couldn't even imagine myself being with a woman, not because of the, the thing, but just again the emotional, the, uh, the demands, the expectations, but also the tenderness and the affection. A woman knows what a woman wants. She knows how to push the button, but I'm telling you, she knows how to throw the ba- baby out with the bathwater too, if it doesn't work. Yeah. 
I see those relationships are very tender because number one, uh, being different, being vulnerable, having to deal with society's norms or abnorms, being judged, really always struggling back and forth with who, who am I really? Am I supposed to be what this religious doctrine says or my parents say or society says, or how do I really become me? What do you say to people that struggle in homosexual relationships? I think there are many people who don't. I, I have lots of examples around me of really good, well, comfortable working relationships. I remember a, a, one couple said when, when they had their civil partnership that they wanted to dress a particular way so neither one of them looked like a woman or a man because they didn't want to be pigeonholed to have to play that role or that role. And I think that that's an important thing. It's about your choice. And I love it that it's become more mainstream, massively more mainstream and permissible in the last 20, 30 years than it ever was when I was 20 myself, you know? And I love seeing people being able to express themselves and have the relationship that they want. And again, it needs negotiating. I mean, in a way, it's not different from a heterosexual relationship. The negotiations are still the same. It, it may be when we look back, we don't want to be like our parents were, absolutely. In a heterosexual relationship, you don't want to be necessarily the woman that does the cooking and the cleaning, the man that does the providing. It, there might be a lot of mixture of roles now. I'm making that the, the point because that's the sort of tangible thing to I do. I want, I want why, to be clear. Yeah. So why isn't it different? Why is it any different for people of the same sex? I don't really see that it's any different. They can choose who they are. They can choose who to be together, how to be together, just like anybody else can. What about the relationship with children? Children are bullied because of the choices of their parents. They are, yeah. they are struggling with their own identity. Do I follow the, the pattern or, or, or the love scene that I see with the individuals that live with me? or do I seek out my own? It's very hard for them to navigate through that landscape, being young and being vulnerable. What would you say to a person that you know has children in these relationships? I think always, I mean, you see damage done to children in heterosexual relationships. I don't know, necessarily think that it's any better or worse, except for with some sections of society, they will bully but they'll, they'll bully you if you've got one little finger longer than the other, you know? They'll find something. And I think the, the emotional evolution that we're having in this generation will really wash through and it will become less and less permissible to bully or intimidate or single out anybody for their sexual proclivities of their parents. Yeah, I think that that is very old school, um, very rigid, because we are in the days, again, of artificial intelligence. It may not even be man, man, woman, woman, woman or man. It's going to be artificial intelligence and a human being. You're going to be making love 
through your forehead with a <laughs> with a robot. <laughs> so things are different, but we have to be able to evolve. Things have changed since the turn of time. You talked about people living, you know, 60, 70 years. The Bible tells me they lived 700 years once mm -hmm. upon a time. So it is very different. And what I'm hoping that my brains have the capacity and the bandwidth to expand and to grow with it. Don't become more polarized. Don't be more narrow-minded, but be very broadband. You have no idea of what you're missing, the opportunities that lie ahead if you stay shut in and shut down. Heather, you are an amazing gift. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom, your words, your work uh, with my individuals. Please tell my brains how to get in contact with you, how to work with you, and if there's any current offerings. Yeah, uh, it's heather at heathergarbert.com. Um, that is my email address. My uh, website is heathergarbert.com. There are things on Facebook that you can see. Just find me there. Uh, I'm in Newbury. I think it will come up as I'm in Newbury or Swindon on Facebook. And I have my picture of, of me, I think, in a yellow jacket <laughs> with roses behind. There may be other Heather Garbert. Um, please feel free to contact me. Um, I'm offering Calling in the One, Conscious Uncoupling and couple coaching for a lifetime of love which is how to set up a new relationship on a good footing well you are on stilettos uh, oh, <laughs> pretty legs thank you so much mm -hmm. and i'm so happy that you are happy and that you are, have found the love of your life brains i need you to go in and make a commitment right now to like love share and follow heather as well as myself on the edge with april mahoney we want you to subscribe we want you to call in, uh, send an email, leave comments. We can only give you what you need if you let us know what you need. And we want to fulfill not only your needs, but your wants and your desires. Thank you so much, Heather. You have been such a gift. Come back and visit me again and let me know what's going on. I will. That's lovely. Thank you for having me here, April. Absolutely. You're a darling. Thank you. Bye, Brains. Have a great day. Be in love.